We're going to turn to God's Word and we're continuing in our, our sermon series looking at the, 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 the armor of God, the spiritual battle that we're in. And we're going to read this morning from Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. And then we're going to turn later on um, to Luke's gospel, but I'll tell you about that in a wee while. But let's just read from Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 17. That's on page 979 of the Pew Bibles, or it'll be on the screen before you. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I mean, very short reading. I told you when you've got a short sermon, a short Bible reading, it often means for a very, very, very long sermon, but hopefully that's not the case this morning. But we're thinking about this helmet of salvation. We have been working through the armor of God about how we're in a spiritual battle as God's people. And I wish I could say that I'd planned for us to land on the helmet of salvation on Easter Sunday, but I'm not that good at planning, and it just happened to be that God is very gracious, though, and we have landed on the helmet of salvation on Easter Sunday, so praise the Lord for that. This next piece of armor that Paul um, speaks about and lists for us is this helmet of salvation. We thought about the, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the, the, the gospel shoes, which are the gospel of peace. Uh, and this morning, we look at the, the next piece of it, the helmet of salvation. Again, we've thought about how Paul, when he's been speaking about this armor of God, has not just been looking at a Roman soldier, but I, I do believe that he has been um, inspired or, or um, encouraged by what he'd read in Isaiah, where we see this continual speaking about different pieces of armor that I feel like the Apostle Paul pulls together um, for the believers in Christ after Christ's death and resurrection. We thought a few weeks ago about how when we looked at the breastplate of righteousness, we considered some verses from Isaiah 59. Let me just quickly read them for you. He saw that there was no man, he being God, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation. Again, speaking about God's arm himself. His own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. So the Apostle Paul, I believe, is, as, although he is probably depicting a Roman soldier, he has been encouraged by what he's read in Isaiah as he um, depicts what it is like to be a, a soldier for Christ and what armor and what protection we have. And the next one he speaks of here is this helmet of salvation that is on our heads. The Isaiah passage shows us three things. It shows us what God saw, what God did, and what God's covenant promises are. God saw that there was a lack of justice, a lack of righteousness on the earth. We thought about that, how there was no one that could get near to God, and we thought about that problem of sin that there was. And, and God saw that our sins were too great before him for us to be able to approach God by ourselves. So what does God do? Well, he saw that there was no one to solve this great problem of sin on the earth. So God himself stepped down in Jesus Christ. And this helmet of salvation Isaiah speaks of points to what God brings. It points to what God brings. It points to what God was going to do. When God would appear, salvation would be the helmet that he wore. It would come with him. Because as the scripture tells us, salvation belongs unto the Lord. 
And the clothing that Isaiah speaks of when he talks about these different armors, especially here in Isaiah 59 about the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation on his head. When he speaks about those things in Isaiah, he's speaking about what God will do, who God is. He is the Savior, and he saves his people from their sins. The Isaiah passage, this helmet of salvation, points to what God would accomplish, what God would bring, what God would do on our behalf. And here in Ephesians, what we read of when we read about the helmet of salvation, we read about what God gives, what God gives to his people. This Isaiah passage, as we read through Isaiah, we see these different armor uh, that he speaks of, and it is pointing towards this, the, the, the Messiah, the Christ who would come. And many of the, the, the original readers and the, those that were around in Jesus' day who were waiting for the Messiah, who were waiting for God's chosen one, they expected some um, um, military um, uh, triumphant leader who would come in and just radically change everything. But that's not how Jesus came, though. And it's why they were surprised at who Jesus was. We've seen over, uh, from last Sunday, if we, if we looked at a Palm Sunday service, we see about the gentleness and the meekness that Jesus came in, the lowliness that he came. And Paul uses this helmet of salvation as a metaphor for the importance of salvation and and what difference it makes for us as believers. We know that salvation is linked to the coming of Jesus. There are many that try and distance those two things. They don't like speaking about sin anymore. But to speak about Jesus, if you don't speak about sin, then you're, you don't really understand why he's came. We read often when Jesus was born, you know, when the angel appeared, you shall call his name Jesus not because he's going to do some good works or because he's going to show us you know, how to be a nice person, but because he will save his people from their sins. Each one of us were distant from God. We couldn't get near to him because of the issue and the problem of sin. So the coming of Jesus, he came so he could save his people. It's like the Isaiah passage says, there was no one to intercede. There was no one that could bridge the gap between man and God. So God stepped down in Christ himself. And as we've looked through Holy Week, what we see is just how Jesus accomplishes that salvation. Again, there's, there's many who try and distance the, the, the sacrifice of Christ from the gospel. But if you don't have Jesus' sacrifice, there is no gospel for us to preach. We preach Christ in him crucified. We see Judas betray Jesus with a kiss. We see Jesus having to stand before Pilate and he's tried. And the crowd, the, the ones who had just called out Hosanna a few days prior, they stand now before Jesus where he's on trial. And what do they shout? They shout, crucify him. They're offered Jesus or Barabbas, and they choose Barabbas. They want nothing to do with Jesus. And all of this, it is not a, a mistake or doesn't take heaven by surprise. It is all part of God's salvation plan. That Jesus would go to the cross. John's gospel in the message translation says this. So Pilate 
took Jesus and had him whipped. The soldiers, having braided a crown of thorns, set it on his head, threw a purple robe over him, and approached him with, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they greeted him with slaps in the face. What Jesus had to go through for salvation. You know, and the, the danger with it is, friends, is that we become numb to this story. We hear it so many times that it begins to lose its rawness and actually just how, how much it should take us by breath and spy, that, that God would go through that for me. That he would be spat at and beaten for me. And ultimately he goes to the cross and he's nailed there after being beaten and mocked. And as he hung on the cross with the nails through his hands and through his feet, he is donned with this crown of thorns. And as he hangs there, he cries, it is finished. It is finished. A.W. Pink said, Jesus cried, it is made an end of. It is paid, it is performed, it is accomplished. What was made an end of? Our sins and our guilt. What was paid for? The price of our redemption. What was performed? The utmost requirements for our redemption. What was accomplished? The work which his father had given him to do. What was finished? The making of atonement. For friends, the cross shows us the achievement of salvation, that the price for sin was paid. At the cross, we see the mercy of God. We see the love of God. We see his forgiveness. And we see that atonement between man and God was now done. Why? All because the sinless, spotless Lamb of God wore a crown of thorns upon his head. Because he went to the cross for you. Can you imagine as they placed this crown of thorns upon him, the excruciating pain that that would have been having it pierce your skin and go through to your skull, having already been beaten and bloodied. They place a crown of thorns upon his head. And friends, the more I read the gospel stories, the more I see myself within them. For I, I was Barabbas. Jesus took my place. He took Barabbas' place and he took mine. And you see that crown of thorns, that, that 